All right, so we're working through our Sermon on the Mount series called Jesus a CV. Um, looking at all of the different sort of jobs that, uh, or sort of skill sets that Jesus displays as he's going through this message. And today, we're looking at the lawyer. So, uh, as is our tradition, we'll show you what being a lawyer is all about. I'm starting to get a little bit concerned about how many times Jim Carrey is turning up in our bad examples video clips. As long as we don't have Pet Detective in the series, we should be all right there. So lawyers, pretty negative view of lawyers as a general sort of concept, right? We kind of, we all know the jokes that we have about lawyers, right? Like, you know, the difference between a, a lawyer and a catfish, you know, one is a scum sucking bottom feeder and the other one's a fish. <laughs> okay. So we kind of have this, uh, this sort of stereotype of being negative about lawyers. I know some wonderful lawyers, by the way, and not, they're not all kind of like that slick, manipulate the law, trying to weasel around to, to get what you need. Um, but then on the other side of the coin from the lawyer is, is the law itself which can be a touch confusing and a touch sort of complicated sometimes, can't it? I had a little quick look um, through some of the laws that exist, real, actual laws that exist around the world. And so I've done, I'm starting to do this top 10 thing, which is going to get real old real quick, but we're doing it for now. So I've got a top 10 of real laws that exist around the world. So we start our trip in Spain, and in Madrid, I kid you not, between the times of 3.29 p.m. and 6.47 p.m., it is illegal to ask what the time is. That's an actual law in the books in Spain. In Sweden, during the long winter months, it is illegal to complain that it is not sunny, which I actually think is very practical and we should probably bring into law here because we like to complain about the weather. Number eight, this is fun. If you're 15 years or older and you cheat on your final exams, you can go to jail. Like, legit, go to jail. Bangladesh. So, um, don't do that. In Samoa, 
It is illegal to forget your wife's birthday. <laughs> also not a great idea. Um, not as bad as France, where it is illegal to marry a dead person. Which makes you wonder how often this sort of thing is coming up, that they had to make a law. It's like, all right, we've just got to put a stop to all of these people marrying dead people. How do you even marry a dead person? You've got to both say vows. It's like a weekend at Bernie's type thing. Number five, um, in Hong Kong, if a wife finds her husband cheating on her, it is fully legal for her to kill him, so long as she uses her bare hands. So, <laughs> I, I, you could tell I put that law in there. I was like, well, hang on a second. We, that seems a little ridiculous. Let's make it a little harder for her to do this. Okay, let's, let's give him a little bit of a chance here. Number four, it is in Great Britain, it, or in England, sorry, it is illegal to die in the House of Parliament. I'm not sure how exactly they enforce that law or what the punishment is. I hear it's a capital offense. <laughs> it was funny in so many different ways. You didn't, it's okay. Uh, Switzerland, it is illegal to ski downfield whilst reciting poetry. That's an actual law. Don't do that. And then, of course, number two, United States. You know we weren't going to let America off on this one. There were hundreds of examples, like ones that didn't make the cut, for example, was in Florida. Um, it is illegal to fart in public after 6 p.m. on Thursdays. Also in Florida, they're really sticklers, it is illegal for a divorced or widowed woman to skydive on Sunday afternoons. True story. In Iowa, it is illegal for a mustached man to kiss a woman in public. Everyone else is fine, just, I, I mean, yeah, anyway. But the one that took the cake, the one I went with, is in Chico, California. You will receive a $500 fine for setting off a nuclear weapon within the city limits. <laughs> it really makes you think twice about doing that. Just take it out into the farmland, you'll be fine. But my favorite one, number one, in Denmark, you can get a one-year stint in prison for telling your wife that she is uglier than her mother. <laughs> Unclear as to whether the one year in prison is a punishment or protection from the wife. I'm still unsure about that and why she suggested you move to Hong Kong. Because of the killing thing. Okay, so the law can be complicated as well. So this is why we understand lawyers spend a lot of their time manipulating and navigating this complicated thing called the law to try and get the desired result. So this is what we think of lawyers, right? This is what the lawyer's job is to do, is to try and finagle the system, this big cumbersome system, in order to get the desired result. Thank you, Siri. Siri wants to help me finagle the system. Goodbye, Siri. Go away, Siri. So the bottom line is that the law is looked at as not good. It's bad. The law is sort of a negative concept. At best, it's this cumbersome sort of reality that we have to deal with. And at worst, it's an oppressive set of shackles that is designed to kind of keep us down. So that's the kind of the way we view 
our laws and we kind of take that attitude across when we start talking about God's laws. In fact, the word law kind of comes with all of this baggage, doesn't it? And we tend to think of it as a sort of, um, at best, a necessary sort of evil. You know, we, we've got to do these things in order to get right with God. These are the sort of things that have to happen. But it kind of, when we talk about the law, we also have this question, do we have to follow it? Like, does the law apply? Jesus has come, and he's forgiven us, and the law was designed to make us right with God. It was designed, it was like 613 laws in the Old Testament, and they were given to help us sort of connect with God, get right with God, and what to do when we messed up. Well, Jesus changed that, right? So we kind of take this Old Testament law and we take it over to the bin and we want to throw it in the bin because it's, it's the Old Testament. We don't really care about that. And so this is the question that is kind of on people's minds as we sort of enter into the next phase of our sermon series from the Sermon on the Mount. Because Jesus now starts to talk about the law. And this is what he said. He says, Do not misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings or the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called the great in the kingdom of heaven. But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, we mentioned them a few times, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so we're not throwing it out. It seems like Jesus, instead of throwing out the Old Testament law, is setting it back up on the table, and we have to follow it. So do we have to follow it? Because I'm a little confused now. Jesus says, you need to, or the, even the smallest part of the law still remains. Except if we have a look at verse 18 again, have a look at what he says here. I tell you the truth. Next one along, 18. There it is. Until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear. Right? So we still have it. Until its purpose is achieved. That's the key phrase there, isn't it? The key phrase is until its purpose is achieved. Well, Jesus came and he says himself, I've come to fulfill the purpose of the law. So I fulfilled it, right? So we're putting it back in the bin? Is that what's happening? Except no. That's not how it is because he keeps going on and talking about the law as if it's a good thing. This is what's happening here. If you rewind all the way back to the Old Testament law, we see that God gave us this law so that we could be right with Him, right? There are 613 laws, but they're not all the same kind of laws. There are some laws they like to call purity laws. These are the laws that you have to do this and do that in order to be right with God, in order to be pure or clean, is, a, is the, the language that was used, so that you can enter into God's presence and give Him worship in the temple, right? 
So there's a lot of really interesting, some pretty weird laws going around. Like you couldn't eat um, pork or you couldn't eat certain types of meat. You couldn't touch a dead body. You couldn't, which is not a really good idea anyway, but you couldn't do a lot of different things. And if you did, you had to go through the ceremony on how to purify yourself. You had to wash, you had to leave the camp um, where everyone was, and you had to kind of stay outside the camp for a certain number of days, and then you come back in. Um, and all sorts of different things like that. There's those purity laws. But then there's also these other types of laws where God says stuff like, don't let there be any poor among you. You need to look after them. If a foreigner comes amongst you, you need to welcome them and you need to treat them well. You know, all these sorts of different morality type laws, how to treat each other, social justice, how to be good people, right? So the question we have to ask ourselves then is what was fulfilled? What was achieved? What has been finished? And if you look at what Jesus did, he took away our need to become purified through the law, right? He took our need to become clean because he cleansed us. That's why we use this language that the blood of God cleanses us. The blood of Jesus cleans us so that now we can enter into God's presence and we can worship him and do all of that good stuff and we can be with him for eternity. So when I come across a law in the Old Testament that says you have to do this, in order to be clean, that's already been fulfilled. I'm already clean. I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to set up a little altar here, although this might be fun, and we'll bring in a, a goat or a ram or, or a bull or something, and we can slaughter it and burn it. They might have some fire code restrictions on that, but you know we don't have to do all of that stuff anymore, right? Because Jesus has done that for us. But what about some of the other laws? What about laws on, you know, how we treat our neighbors? What about laws on how we look after each other or how we worship God? When it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind, soul, and strength, that's a law. Do we not have to worry about that anymore? See, Jesus himself, in uh, Matthew 22, he's asked about the law. And he says, actually, the law is summed up I love God and love others, right? Love God, love others. That still applies. That has not been fulfilled. We're continuing to fulfill that. So I come across a law in the Old Testament that says you should be kind to each other or you should uphold the case of the, the, the widow or the people who are being oppressed. You should stick up for them. Of course, we still do that. That hasn't been abolished. God is not getting rid of all of this stuff. He's just fulfilling it. And so we want to continue to fulfill it. It's been so long since you've asked the question. This makes me happy. Yes. Yeah, so some of them, uh, yeah, cultural impurity kind of, uh, they're sort of hand in hand too a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that does still apply to Jews. And there is, there is kind of, there's a group of people, I understand you're part of a church, that they're of Messianic Jews. Um, and so some will take on some of those cultural laws as well. However, in the New Testament, there are passages where um, Jesus, well, Jesus said once that it's not what goes into you that makes you unclean, well, 
what comes out of your heart. And he says, by this he said all foods are clean. And there's another passage where um, Peter is, is given a vision from God with all of these unclean animals. And God says, take and eat. And he says, no, I would never do that. And he says, don't call unclean what I've called clean. So there are passages that talk about some of those ones as well, even those cultural ones. Some might do it for tradition's sake, but as far as what the New Testament says, those have been lifted, and there's been sort of a, a so things that we can eat, we can basically eat what we want. So there's also says that just because we can doesn't mean we should. You know, I can't just go down to Macca's and eat that, you know, all day, every day, because I have to be careful about what I put in my body. But there's no restrictions as far as, what animals are allowed. Having said that, I'm not going to go over to a Messianic Jewish church and say, you're wrong, you're doing that wrong, because if that's what they're convicted about, then that's what they should do. Um, but there's room in the New Testament for some of these laws that were based around purity and based around how do you look like a community that is devoted to God by remaining pure and clean. The way that we do that now is by following Jesus. Jesus is our purity and our cleanliness. So we reveal to the world that we are followers of God by following Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If one wants to get to the Father, come through me. So he has fulfilled a lot of that, those laws. But a lot of the more general laws still in play. Does that make sense? Good, a lot of, lot of nodding. Hey, Nate. Num nums. But I, I just think it's good sense to know. Because there are yeah. medical reasons why. Sure. And a lot of those um, laws in the Old Testament did have some interesting medical reasons that we're only discovering in the last little while why this was done. So you may decide not to eat pork because you don't think pork is, is a particularly healthy or clean food to eat. That's fine. Um, what happens is we have that freedom. We sung about being free. This is part of the freedom that we have, that we are no longer consigned to follow each of those little purity laws. But we can go back to it with an intelligent mind and say, you know what, I don't think this is a good idea for me. I'm not going to do it. But you're not doing it because you want to become clean before God. You're doing it because of medical health, whatever reasons. Exactly. So that becomes the same thing as like being gluten-free for medical reasons or for, you know, deciding that I don't want to eat dairy because I don't want to fill the room with a noxious gas. That sort of stuff, you know. <laughs> it's good ideas and we're being kind to each other, but it's not because I need to be close to God. Like God is not going to judge me for eating anything. That's, that's what that freedom comes from that side of the law. And a lot of those purity laws are the same way. However, what we don't want to do is take all of those other laws, you know, the laws about being kind to each other, laws about standing up for those who are oppressed, and throw them away as well. Because he still wants us to live that way. Because that is who God is and how we connect with him. Yeah? Yeah? Okay, because then Jesus was, takes the next step further. He says, in fact, his warning is, not only am I keeping the, the law, not only am I not throwing away the law, but in fact, your best law keepers, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, 
they don't do it well enough. You have to follow the law better than them. So all of these people saying, Jesus, save us from the law. And he's actually like, nah, we need to go deeper. We need to get into it further. And there's a couple of reasons why the Pharisees weren't living up to the law. One of them was that they were trying to fulfill their purity laws by following the law, right? They were still trying to do it the Old Testament way of fulfilling their purity um, responsibilities by their own efforts. Jesus says, that's impossible. You need me. Follow me. They weren't following him. So just by following Jesus, we're already fulfilling the law better than the, right, than the Pharisees because Jesus picks up the slack for us in those purity laws. Second reason is the Pharisees were following the law, and I want to say this in a way that you understand, but they're following it religiously. You ever heard this idea of religion being termed in a negative way? That religion is about doing things. It is about what's happening in your head and in your hands. It's like the extremities of your body. So you believe certain doctrines and you do certain things in order to be right with God. Right? That's what they were doing. But their heart wasn't in it. And Jesus was constantly harassing the Pharisees and getting on their case because they were clean on the outside, but horrifically dirty on the inside. They called them whitewashed tombs. You know, all very pretty and nicely painted on the outside, but inside they're dead men, which of course was a very unclean thing to their, eye, to their ears as well. So they had no heart. And what Jesus is saying, you need to go deeper. You need to go into the heart of the law. In fact, he gives us some examples. Um, from verse 21 on through the end of verse 48, he gives all of these different examples of how they understood the law, and Jesus is like, actually, no, it's a lot more than that. Let's have a read through them. They'll come up on the screen here. Uh, so in verse 21, he talks about anger. He says, you heard our ancestors were told, you must not murder. If you commit murder, you're subject to judgment. That's a good one. Let's keep that one. But I say, if you're even angry with someone, you're subject to judgment, right? So murder, you do with your hands. Anger, you do with your heart. So your heart is murdering. Or the next one. You have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. But I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Or the next one. You have heard the law that says a man can divorce his wife by merely giving her a written notice of divorce. But I say that a man who divorces his wife, unless she's been unfaithful, causes her to commit adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman also commits adultery. And we should probably read that as going both ways on the gender as well. Next one. You have heard that our ancestors were told you must not break your vows. You must carry out the vows you make to the Lord. A vow is something that you do. But I say do not make any vows. Just say a simple, yes, I will, or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. On the next one, you have heard the law that says punishment must match the injury, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the left cheek also. And you have heard the law that says love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. So he's taking all of these 
laws from the Old Testament, all of these things that people are trying to follow, and he says, that's good. He's not taking any of those away. Notice that. He's not saying, you know what, it's fine to, to commit murder, just don't hate people in your heart. But he's saying, you're living your faith out with your hands in your head. I want you to live your faith out with your hands, your head, and your heart. I want it to be true and genuine faith. So this is Jesus' lawyer approach. This is his interpretation of the law. We kind of want our lawyers to kind of <clears throat> figure out loopholes around the law so that we can find the shortest route to whatever desired result we want, get out of our fines, get out of our punishments, be able to purchase this or do this or whatever. And the law is a barrier, an obstacle to get for us to get to where we want to go. And a lawyer helps navigate that. Jesus' interpretation of the law is actually, no, the law is not a barrier. The law is good. The law is good. In fact, there's a verse, Lane, if you can find it, um, Romans 7. Um, hey, so the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I'm all too human, a slave to sin. He said the law is good, but the law was unable to save us. So Jesus filled that gap for us. So when we start taking on Jesus' interpretation of the law and we start taking it into our heart, we start changing the way that we look at the law. The law is not a set of restrictions, but rather it is a window to the heart of who God is. The law tells us who He is. The purification laws even told us about how holy and how majestic and how perfect he is so even though we don't have to fulfill those laws we should still read them because it helps us understand him and we should be thankful that jesus filled that gap for us but the rest of the laws all tell us about what he wants for us in our lives it tells us about how we are to live as his people so instead of us looking at these laws and whatever jesus commands even in the new testament he gives us commands Instead of looking at those as things that we have to do in order to get the desired result, which is heaven, right? We want to do these things so that we can get to the heart of God. And that's the key. That's the key to all of this, is getting to the heart of God. That is why Jesus is able to sum up the law by saying, the law is about loving God and loving each other. We do that, we're fulfilling everything. That's why his law, his interpretation of the law is good. It's not what can I do for God, it's what can I do for God instead of what do I have to do for God. It changes our attitude. Um, I put in the Bible app a little bit of a, uh, a sort of a description to get onto right, right Now Media. There's a great little nine minute video that um, shows you a little bit more about the law in the Bible if you want to explore that further. If you don't have Right Now Media, let us know. We can get you a free access, free login. Um, we can do that. Check that out. It's by Tim Mackey. It's called The Law and the Bible. Um, just as a little bit of extra homework.